Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. We're a podcast devoted to entrepreneurs, startups, founders, and the angels, VCs, investment firms, and family offices who so covet those companies destined to have an interesting life, if not a lucrative one, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, but I want to remind you, you can follow this podcast on YouTube. We're also on every major podcast platform, including Audible, Amazon, Apple. Um, you can also follow me at Michael Conniff, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F on Twitter. And um, you can go to my website, michaelconniff.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F.com. And uh, I am really happy, very pleased today to welcome to our podcast, uh, Kurt Hallett. Welcome, Kurt. Good to have you. Michael, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you. Kurt is the co-founder and president of Legacy League. Legacy League is a company that has carved out an interesting niche in the NFT space in sports. Um, NFTs and crypto are no longer the flavor of the month this month, but nonetheless, they are um, not going away. They will be, remain important. And um, I think that some of the things that Legacy League is doing are going to make that evident. But, but Kurt, first of all, tell us a little bit about how you got into this space. You were a Wall Street, probably a very successful Wall Street executive, probably, I'm guessing, a sports fan. Um, how did those two come together into Legacy League and this company? Yeah, yeah, Mike. It uh, definitely uh, you hit you hit two key things there. I spent my 30 year career working at a number of different global investment banks. Uh, the last 20 of which were running the global energy franchise for for Royal Bank of Canada. But you know, I always had a passion for sports and uh, saw an interesting opportunity to kind of step away from the Wall Street gig and and go go figure out what I wanted to do next when I grew up. So the Saw a very interesting intersection happening between uh, business and technology and sports with the changes around the laws and regulations on the name, image, and likeness dynamics for, for college athletes. And I just thought it'd be a really easy way for an athlete to effectively use this new technology and non-fungible tokens to monetize their name, image, and likeness and earn some extra cash while they were still playing their sport. And then you know, uh, getting straight A's and everything else they do, all that hard work, just making it really easy to make some extra cash while they're still in college. And, and it's interesting, NIL the, that you just mentioned um, did not exist until, what is it, two years ago now, when uh, when the courts uh, ruled that in the famous Ed O'Bannon case, I believe, that athletes, in fact, did control the rights to their own image and likeness, even though they were scholarship, so-called student athletes in the in, in college. Is that right? Just recently, yeah, no, yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, the Supreme Court did did rule on, uh, I believe, it was June thirtieth of twenty twenty one, almost exactly a year ago. Oh, that a year ago. Um, okay. you know, the, yeah, that that the the name, image, and likeness restrictions that were imposed on college athletes by the NCAA were, uh, you know, were no longer viable. So uh, they struck uh, struck that down. The NCAA stepped away and basically said the athletes are now kind of free to uh, to, to go out and make some money and um, left it up to state law and left it up to university regulations to, you know, provide the groundwork. So um, we have 
and the uh, name, image, and likeness on the one hand, NIL, NFT, non-fungible tokens on the other. On the other, so how do they come yeah. together into a business? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, so might might want to just kind of also give take this opportunity to say that we have definitely evolved as as a company. So our initial focus was very much on student athletes and and utilizing. Um, you know, them in game action, whether it be video or photos and create really cool artistic renderings of them, um, you know, that they can then, you know, sell in the marketplace as non-fungible tokens, effectively using that as digital collectibles. You want to think about it like trading cards. Um, that's a very simplistic way, you know, but our product, you know, takes it to a, to another level. You know, we animate it, we use video, uh, and all other, other elements around that. Um, Shortly after we kind of launched our business and, and started, you know, going on the recruiting trail and getting athletes onto our platform, we also uh, started to have some conversations with college athletic departments and realized there was an opportunity to help these athletic departments generate some incremental revenue uh, utilizing this new type of technology. Um, so we went down that path, had multiple discussions and you know, we landed a, uh, our initial contract was actually with a division three university of all things. Um, and we landed that contract late last summer. And, uh, we've had now a number of other discussions that have led to a, another contract with a power five university, uh, in the, uh, Atlantic coast conference, uh, by the name of Clemson university. I'm sure many people are familiar with Clemson. So we'll, we'll be embarking on, on that uh, project here as we get into, uh, into the fall. So. The, uh, the angle started initially on, on athletes and kind of game day footage evolved into uh, serving athletic departments. And then the, the athletic angle took another twist as well, uh, where we started focusing on, you know, specific branding opportunities for, you know, groups of, of college athletes. So uh, our initial foray into that led us down a path to work with a, a number of uh, black female gymnasts. And uh, we called that project the Black Girl Magic. Um, which uh, we actually were, uh, were up for an award in, in this inaugural NIL summit that occurred in Atlanta in, in June. So um, I, I can go on and on about what we're doing on that front, but I think it'd be best for me to just kind of step back and stop for a minute and uh, let you continue to ask all your good questions. No, you were doing, you were doing fine. We're talking to Kurt Hallett of uh, Legacy League, uh, co-founder and president. Um, well, a couple things. You raised some really interesting um, possibilities for this for this business. I want to circle back to the athletes in a second, but can you give us some sense of what the deal is with Clemson for NFTs? It's a three year deal, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a three year. We're going to be uh, one one of two um, companies that are going to be their official NFT uh, providers. Um, our focus is going to be on providing NFT tickets, commemorative tickets for uh, all of their sports. Uh, we're going to be providing uh, some opportunity for fans and alumni to engage with the team by creating their own, uh, you know, football uniforms and uh, uniforms for other sports. Uh, we're going to be providing, um, you know, some really unique uh, art around some of the cool as aspects around their athletic department. Uh, for example, they have Howard's Hill at their stadium, Memorial Stadium, and before every home game, the players get off the bus and they come down the hill and they touch this huge giant rock coming down the hill called Howard's Rock. 
so we'll uh, we'll use some of that footage to create some really unique, you know, yeah. artwork and rare artwork uh, for alumni and fans to, you know, to buy as well. So it, it's uh, we like to say there's really um, if you could dream it, you know, we can we can create it and help you monetize it. So there's a number of different opportunities and things that we're working with Clemson. The monetizing being the, being the key, I think, for sure. Well, as you know, I had a sports company myself for 12 years and uh, called Interactive Sports. I know how tough this business can be, um, in part because teams, leagues, universities, pro and, and amateur, we used to call amateur, um, want to get checks. They want to get paid. Uh, they look at everything as a sponsorship or tend to. So as I understand it, you have a revenue split with Clemson without necessarily getting into the minute details of that, which I'm sure you don't want to. Basically, does that create, um, you know, uh, in effect, a joint venture between you and the university? Yeah, yeah, it does for, for sure, Michael. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you bring that up because everything that we do from a university standpoint is we're approaching it from a partnership standpoint, right? We want to be joined at HIP you know, with the university and we want to do everything we can to help them gener generate that incremental revenue so they can kind of reduce the budget deficits and as a matter of fact, kind of help, if you will, subsidize the uh, the Olympic sports and, and other non-revenue sports as they're, you know, generally known as, right? So in that context, you know, um, you know, we, we will be utilizing, or Clemson will be yeah, utilizing their full force of their alumni network, uh, their branding, their social media, uh, game day venues, um, radio, uh, TV spots, you know, they are uh, as much um, a focus on the revenue generation part uh, as we are. And, and we think that's, that's really healthy. You know, it, it kind of contrasts in a lot of ways to some other kind of deals that are out there that we've come across where, you know, universities, you know, not, not, nothing to their, to their fault at all. It's just, they're so accustomed to having licensees, uh, you know, offer up these minimum revenue guarantees, um, you know, for, for multi-year deals. And, you know, we, we just didn't think that that was the right model at the right time for not only what we were doing, but for this evolution around NFTs, right? It's a lot different when you're selling, you know, t-shirts or sweatshirts or, you know, whatever, you know, where you have 50 years of history of what a minimum number of t-shirts you'd be selling at a certain price, right? That doesn't exist, you know, in the, in the NFT market. So we just, we just thought that Clemson really had um, the, the same philosophy that we had, had a similar approach that we had. Uh, and it's turned out to be, you know, the kind of perfect partner, you know, for, for evolving, for the evolving nature of the, the NFT market. Who is the customer at Clemson? What department? Where I mean, where do you go to for something like that for NFTs? Yeah, you know, you, you start out, you start out, um, you know, obviously at the athletic department level, and you know, most conversations really start with, um, you know, either their their uh, AD that's heading up their external uh, relations, or you know, they they now have are creating roles like chief innovation, you know, uh, officer or something along mm -hmm. those lines at these athletic departments or, you know, um, chief revenue officer, just, you know, they don't call them chief revenue, but they're, you know, ADs or senior associate ADs for revenue generation or innovation, external affairs, et cetera, right? Uh, that's where the conversation generally starts. And then, you know, these, these university athletic departments are, are truly, you know, team oriented. So, 
you know, they'll, they'll call in some other members of the organization, whether it's the, the licensing element. And, um, and in certain cases, they'll, they'll bring in the head AD um, as well. Though, you know, these ADs, uh, head ADs are, are typically bogged down in a lot of other things. And like, like any other CEO of any other business operation would be, right? So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a fascinating process, but there's been a lot of common themes. And the common theme is all these universities are looking for new ways to generate incremental revenue. And they're looking for new ways to engage their fan base. And they're looking for ways to maximize the number of attendees at every one of their sports events, not just the marquee events like basketball and football. So how many people at Clemson in the athletic department did you have to talk to before you found somebody who knew what an NFT was? <laughs> that's a great, that's a great question. Um, yeah. You know what, for, uh, for Clemson, you know, uh, it was a pretty interesting dynamic and, and it wasn't many, um, you know, the initial engagement, um, you know, started off with along the lines of, Hey, you guys have a concept that really matches with our philosophy and that we really haven't seen from many others yet. Um, and then that initial, you know, conversation, we were on a, we were on a, um, you know, a zoom with, with them, with five other, uh, other ADs. Right. And the, the, the generational, uh, dynamic was, you know, from, from millennial to, you know, to, to gen X. Right. So, you know, ran 20, 20, the 30 years of age differential in that department. Clearly, you know, the younger generation is, is, has a much greater handle on some elements that are going on with, uh, you know, the crypto market or with NFTs um, and, and just the digital arena, you know, as it currently sits. But, you know, um, it really doesn't take long for the older generation to catch on. Now, let me be clear here, right? Um, I'm in that Gen X range, right? So some people may be looking at me as like, what the heck were you thinking? Uh, 30 years of Wall Street stepping into into this game. It's, I'm just a curious cat. That's what it comes down to. And um, I thought this was a really cool business opportunity uh, that had a pretty substantial market dynamic to it. So I think the ADs are kind of viewing it in the same way. I give you credit. I You know, when we first spoke, I was pretty skeptical because I had you know, spent a long time in this industry. And I said, why would, you know, why would anyone use you guys? You're just a couple of Wall Street guys coming in from out of the blue. Um, and you have proven me wrong, which I'm very happy to admit. Uh, but, but I want to use it to focus on the team, because part of it was that um, you told me in that, com in that initial conversation, well, we've hired this guy from ESPN and he knows all these people. So who was that and how did that play into this? Yeah, and, and yeah, let, let's talk about the team because I think it's really important, you know, and, and, and I think one of the key members of, of the team uh, is a longtime friend of mine, Stuart Bush. He, Stuart and I, you know, worked together at, at RBC for a number of years before he, he kind of stepped out and started his own quant hedge fund, but he kept poking me in the ribs you know, over, I don't know, five, six years saying, okay, when, when are you going to hang it up and when are we going to get together and, and go do something fun and cool and exciting and make up a lot of money together. And, you know, it took me, took me a little while to kind of get to where he was, but nonetheless, I couldn't have done it without him. And, and really Stuart's been instrumental in really creating a lot of the cool product and, and focusing on the, on the technology development that we have as our backbone. Um, you know, Stuart was also very instrumental in, in leading us, uh, you know, to another gentleman by the name of Rob Temple. And Rob had uh, spent about 20 years at ESPN, and he was a key media and sponsorship architect for 
a lot of key properties like uh, the college football playoffs, like March Madness, uh, the, what they call the bowl season now, which is everything outside of the college football uh, playoff and, and many, many other you know, key properties in the uh, in the collegiate sports world. And, you know, it's kind of funny, Stuart and I uh, and, and Rob got together in, at his place in, in South Carolina a few weeks ago, and, and we just kind of chuckled that it was a was an extended dating game with Rob to kind of get him on board, you know, with, with what we were doing. But at the end of the day, it was really our philosophy that convinced Rob that, you know, we had a platform that was going to be, you know, here for the long run, right? And uh, that philosophy was very much focused on you know, maximizing the branding opportunities for the athletes and then basically providing uh, what Rob had called, you know, IP free as well as IP licensed opportunities for university athletic departments as well. So Rob's been very instrumental in, in um, just, you know, uh, doing like any good ambassador would and is making introductions, opening doors and then, uh, you know, vouching for, you know, our game plan and, and our, our business acumen. So that's been critical. Um, along is, the way, uh, we also, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I wanted to ask yeah, get Michael. Um, why, what is IP free? I've never heard that. What is that? Yeah. So it basically just means, you know, you, you create, uh, for example, like I mentioned, you know, we can go down a path and we can license, uh, the, the IP, uh, so we can use the trademarks, logos, et cetera, you know, of, of schools or other, you know, professional sports properties. Um, but, you know, uh, we also um, have a, a, the ability through our so software to effectively scrub out the, the logos and create a really uh, cool artistic rendering of that uh, athlete in, in action. So basically, we create art from a photo or from a video, which makes it uh, fair use and uh, which, which enables us to then, you know, put our own copyright protection on that. Yes, the amazing thing. You take somebody else's work, you, you muck it up a bit, and uh, now it's yours, and uh, you own it. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, a whole but again, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, but I'm going <laughs> to emphasize, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna emphasize it's, it's kind of like taking, a, you know, taking a, a blueprint and then really creating something new around that blueprint, right? Yeah, so, well, I'm just, um, I'm just giving you a hard time because you proved me wrong. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but what I wanted to... <laughs> What I wanted to circle back to, Kurt, is um, what you're doing with athletes. And I want to point out to people. So um, we've established that it's been a year since the Supreme Court allowed name, image, and likeness of so formerly completely amateur athletes who couldn't do anything like this. So this is a whole new world. Every college athlete is kind of in the game theoretically. But what I like about what you've done is you've taken a sport that's really – below the radar other than in Olympic years. And you've, you've figured out a way to bring together these black female athletes in a way that brands them as a group, but also elevates them individually. And I, I think that is really, really clever. Tell, tell us, uh, how does that work? What, what, what is Black Girls Magic? Yeah, no, great. I appreciate you bringing that back up. So, look, the, the Black Girl Magic uh, concept was really born from the, the athletes themselves, which, again, is, is, a, is what the true form of NIL is really supposed to be about, right? It's about these athletes, you know, uh, trying to become entrepreneurs, figuring out, you know, how to brand themselves, you know, how to market and promote themselves, and then utilize those brands, you know, to create, 
uh, near and, and long-term income, right? So uh, kudos, kudos to the athletes for, for coming up with that concept. In particular, one athlete was Darion Goborn, who's a gymnast at uh, National Championship Gymnast, by the way, at, uh, at Auburn. Um, she then uh, basically had uh, a number of uh, her other gymnastics friends that she reached out to at schools, including Auburn, but uh, Michigan State, UCLA, uh, Missouri, Rutgers. So you have these group of, of seven athletes uh, who had su substantial success on the mat themselves, um, you know, come together to, to create this new brand, right? And we just helped elevate that brand to another level. And, and I'll put it to you in this context, right? So we first uh, announced the launch of Black Girl Magic back in February of this year. And as I mentioned earlier in my remarks, you know, we, we were nominated for the uh, NFT award. We are one of three nominations for an NFT award uh, at the NIL summit in Atlanta in June. And in between then, uh, what transpired for, for Darion in particular is uh, Meta reached out to her to have her be one of the first 15 athletes in which they were not just athletes, I would call them influencers, to be uh, put on their Instagram platform to, to promote their own NFTs. And then um, the WWE came in and, and uh, drafted Darion to be uh, one of the 15 athletes for 2021, excuse me, 2022, to potentially become uh, the next WWE um, superstar. So it was from this black girl magic that all these other opportunities, you know, came came her way. Um, and it's just w a small w sample. W forgive me, WWE meaning wrestling? The World Wrestling World Wrestling Entertainment. That is correct. So they've got their eye on her as a wrestler? That, that as as an entertainer, as a WWE entertainer, as they as call an it. entertainer. Okay, <laughs> okay, one, that's one, one of one, yeah, one of one of fifteen, one of fifteen athletes. So it's uh, it's a pretty it's is a pretty she, cool uh, thing. So is she a possibility for a medal at the next Olympics? Is she is she at that part of her career? We hope we hope so, right? Um, she's she's really known as the queen of the floor. Uh, for her floor routine. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously with every single one of our athletes, we want them to continue on and do great things, whether it's in the professional ranks or the Olympic ranks. But yeah, I, I do hope that Darion is, is going to yeah. continue on and, and go pursue that dream and Olympic glory. That'd be great. You, uh, you picked, it sounds like you picked a you, good one there now. So let me let me let me yeah. just you know continue on real quick on that right. So so this whole concept was also coinciding with the 50th anniversary of Title IX, right? So Title IX was basically creating gender equity in collegiate sports, right? Um, and and with the success of the Black Girl Magic, with the 50th anniversary of Title IX, you know we are going to ride that wave. And, you know, we've, we're coming out with a couple of other really cool, interesting ideas, one of which we're calling Breaking the Ice. And this is going to be focused on collegiate and Olympic uh, women's hockey players. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, that sounds great. That was sort of anticipated my next question. Where, where, do, you, where do you go from here? But, but um, how competitive is the, the Clemson business? And for people... List, not everyone listening to this podcast is a football fan, 
not any, everyone listening to this podcast is from America or knows anything about this. But in fact, um, the, the uh, Clemson football team is on a level with Alabama. It's really one and one A. Um, they are the premier football team along with Alabama, though they had a bit of a down year. Um, so, so it's an immense contract for you. But where, when you go out there and you're selling other teams, how com- how crowded is the marketplace for you as you do that? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's a competitive space for sure. And it got competitive right out of the gate. Um, but, you know, I think like anything else, there's, there's going to be different business models and different approaches. And, and there's going to be um, a weeding out of, of that competition you know, over time. And, you know, I, I, our goal is to be, you know, one of the, you know, top four or five players in the space, um, you know, over the long haul. And, and hopefully we got the right business model and people and, and everything to kind of make that happen. Right. Um, so, yeah, we, it's been, it's been competitive, you know, before Clemson, you know, we, we were one of 20 companies um, uh, approached by Notre Dame. We, we made the elite eight when they kind of cut their list down uh, and we made it to the final four, uh, you know, with them, you know, before the Clemson opportunity, you know, came around. So give you some, some general sense of what that competition is like. Right. Uh, so I think the, uh, the, the dynamics at play for us is um, what really stands out. The kind of feedback that we get on a regular basis is number one, uh, the quality of the product that we put out um, into the marketplace is top notch. Um, our philosophy um, in, in incorporating all student athletes in every sport uh, definitely resonates um, with the uh, with the athletic directors. And then um, you know I think the other dynamic of being creative and collaborative on you know utilizing finding ways to take let's say idle assets that these universities possess and whether they be you know trophies or championship rings that are collecting dust, right? You can create a really cool digital collectible and and sell that to their alumni base and generate a revenue stream that they didn't have before. And I, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I usually rely on the law of three because everybody forgets the, the middle part of it and always remember the first and last. But nonetheless, we've now had some schools approach us about creating virtual Hall of Fames uh, for them, uh, which would effectively be a additional opportunity above and beyond what we've approached so far but you know it would it would it would put us you know head first into the metaverse and creating virtual and uh, augmented you know uh, hall of fames and locker rooms and everything else so that's uh that's kind of what we're looking at down the road here it sounds pretty good i mean it's hard to believe that this would not grow grow significantly and um, if anything, perhaps the you know the, the fallout from the crypto collapse and also the, um, the you know the problems in the market uh, might have cleared out some of the competition you would other otherwise face. Um, that that can happen. Um, they say it's a good time to start a company in a downturn. So I hope that's true for you. But um, I give you uh, Kurt a lot of um, uh, a lot of credit for tenacity and um, for sticking to it and, and to, for making some really significant headway. So congratulations on that. Thank, thank you, Michael. And I really appreciate your interest in what we're doing and appreciate the opportunity uh, to tell a legacy, legacy League story.
It's a good one. Thanks. Uh, this is, I am Michael Conniff. This is the Accelerator podcast. Um, we are here with entrepreneurs and founders, startups, angels, VCs, angel, uh, uh, pardon me, family offices, investment firms, um, with uh, great guests like Kurt Hallett. He's the co-founder and president of Legacy League, making significant headway in, um, in the NFT space in the sports world, particularly in college and among the uh, NIL-enabled uh, uh, athletes, I guess we could call them now. But I um, um, want to thank Kurt for being here and also remind you that um, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms. Give us a rating on Apple, Apple if you would. Make sure to subscribe. Find us on YouTube. Uh, go to me at, uh, at Michael Conniff on Twitter and also uh, michaelconniff.com, C-O-N-N-I-F-F.com, my website. It is great to have you. Thanks again, Kurt. Appreciate it. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you, Michael. You, really appreciate it. Come back with, with your next contract, okay, with your next scalp, I think we might say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. we Will do. All right. Take care. And thank you, everyone, for listening to um, The Accelerator. And we'll be back with another podcast before you know it.